What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode one of the Spoiled Milk podcast. I am your host, Christopher Smith. Some of you may know me as the senior betting analyst for Pro Football Network. What you might not know is that I started this century by blogging for my mom's basement. And now this is my opportunity to bring to you, the world, all of my thoughts on movies, music, television, pop culture, sports, whatever it may be. This is the first on our journey. I'm really excited to share it with you. And I am so honored to have my friend, the voice of the last year's band, Mr. Drew Goen, as my very first guest. Drew, how are you tonight? What's up, buddy? How are you? Uh, I'm hanging in here as... As you are well aware, some technical difficulties behind the scene before we even get started on episode one. I really wouldn't want it any other way. Though. That's right. We got there, though, didn't we? <laughs> we, did. we did. I get. Well, I don't know. We shouldn't count our uh, chickens right now before yeah. we get through. We're one minute <laughs> in, and we're so far so good. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of things with Drew tonight. We're going to talk about what exactly is the last year's band. Uh, we're going to talk about music, movies. He's got a uh, sweet spot for 80s movies. We're going to get into that, uh, some nostalgia along the way. But uh, before we get into all that, tonight's episode is brought to you by Kayla May Steamed Cheeseburgers, family owned and operated since 2006, right here in Meriden, Connecticut. Uh, head on down if you're ever in the Connecticut area and you have not tried the local steamed cheeseburgers, head to Kayla May's. Ask for Kevin, tell him I sent you, um, and enjoy. Drew, have you ever had a steamed cheeseburger? So I think uh, you and I have talked about this before. I have never had a steamed cheeseburger before. That ever. is rough. That's rough. <laughs> you sing the praises, man. I think I've, I've got to. I got to figure myself out here. Uh, you know, I've been in New England for like six years now, and I've never had a steamed cheeseburger. Yeah, they are a different beast altogether. Uh, it is with the sharp Wisconsin cheddar melted over. Oh, it's it's something fantastic. So, um, yeah, if you're in the Connecticut area, head over to Kayla Mays for a steamed cheese. Um, we'll have to get Drew on that pretty soon. So, uh, yeah, man. Uh, Drew, you know what? Let's let's start by just telling everybody a little bit about yourself and about the band. What exactly? Uh, what's what's behind the name? What kind of music we talking? Uh, uh, hopefully, everybody got to listen to our intro tonight. That was you guys. Uh, is it just you, or is there a whole uh, orchestra behind you? Tell us a little bit about the band. Yeah, so I think uh, band is like a strong term. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, the the last years is a uh, is really like a, a synth pop, uh, you know, eighties inspired um, uh, project that I've been working on uh, for a little over a year now. Uh, it started uh, actually right before the pandemic uh, hit in March last year. Uh, I released the first stuff uh, as the last years. And really, I guess um, what it uh, what it is, is, you know, it started as, as just me doing everything, uh, you know, uh, music production, songwriting, singing, playing everything. Um, and I actually uh, was sending some stuff to a, a good friend of mine uh, named Aaron Flannery, who lives in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, and we met uh, years and years ago when we lived, we both lived in Nashville and worked in recording studios uh, back in the in the heyday there. Um, and I, I was sending stuff back and forth to him and he uh, he said, hey, man, like, let me uh, you know, send me some some rough mixes and, and let me see what I can do with it. And he sent me back a, uh, a track and I was blown away. So um, we, we hooked up and started writing together and working together um, in in 
like the, the end of March or April uh, last year and and uh, did our record Future Ghosts together. So um, so it's actually just me and him. You know, it sounds like a, a full band, <laughs> I hope uh, or I think. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just it's just the two of us making a lot of noise. So like what genre would you classify this? I know that you've um, like if you read your Twitter bio, it says synth pop. What exactly is synth pop? And like, you know, I just know when I listen to it, I get that 80s vibe, that yeah. throwback vibe. Um, that's that's sort of what I get. But what, go ahead, classify it a little bit more for people who aren't aware. Yeah, I think it's hard to classify. You know, there there's some very strict uh, people out there who uh, who really try to, to classify things. And, and I think we're really an amalgamation of a lot of different genres. You know, I think that there is some, um, some synth pop in there, just some regular old uh, pop music. Uh, you know, I use a lot of guitars, um, which a lot of uh, synth wave and synth pop artists, you know, don't use uh, as, as uh, forward as I do. Um, so I would say that, you know, we've got a lot of different uh, feeling and a lot of different uh, kind of genres melding together. You know, we, we do a lot of new wave, which if you think of like uh, bands like the cars or, uh, you know, tears for fears, those, those quintessential eighties, um, you know, new wave kind of pop bands. Um, we take a lot of influence from those guys uh, and try to repurpose that stuff uh, to something that, you know, it, it gives you some nostalgic feeling, but still uh, is, is current and, um, you know, doesn't just rest on its laurels to be like a, a, a throwback kind of 80s, you know, uh, tribute band. So. All right. The yeah. Cars. What's your favorite song by The Cars? Oh, man. Um, Stranger Eyes uh, is, is probably well, my. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Drew. Right in. And you're all right. That's the wrong answer. It's magic. Thank you for joining oh, us. No, wait, come on. Stranger Eyes is the song, Christopher uh... Smith. I don't know. Uh, no, that that know. uh that whole record. I listen. They can't do any wrong for for me. Um, I think Rico Kasich is one of the, the the best songwriters of our time. So, um, yeah, I I love the Cars. What about the name Last Years? Where does that come from? You know, everybody actually asks me that. Uh, I you know, well, of course they do, Drew. <laughs> That's the first question people want to know is what what's behind the name. Yeah. Um. You know, man. I I somebody asked me this not too long ago, and uh, when I was thinking about it, you know, I um. I spent a lot of time not making music uh, for various reasons. And, um, you know, when I started writing again, it, it just kind of uh, like reignited something that I, I really enjoy and I'm really passionate about. And I, and I just got to thinking like, if these were the last years of, of, you know, my life or the last years that I had to, to do something, am I really doing the thing that I want to do? And if I'm not, why aren't I? Um, so I, I thought it was a, uh, a cool name, um, you know, and I, I think it also is, is, you know, nostalgic in, in the sound and, you know, it's, it's uh, kind of thinking about, you know, uh, the, the previous decades and, and kind of, you know, how I, the music I listened to growing up and, and how that influences what I'm doing now. But um, yeah, it, I think it, it just sounds cool too, right? <laughs> so um, I, I just I thought it was a a, a good name, and I, and I think it has a, a couple of different meanings uh, for for me. No, it's it's a cool name. It's a for those of you who don't know, and we're gonna plug the plug the living hell out of uh, everything that you're working on at the end of the episode. But you also released a uh, cassette, um, and it's just that. Just has that really like retro cool nostalgic vibe to it so uh yeah i'll let you talk a little bit more about that in a couple minutes but tell us a little bit more about yourself you were mentioning um some of your connections to down south like you mentioned at the beginning of the episode you live up here in new england 
not too far from me right now, but this is not where you grew up. So tell us just a little bit about your journey and how you ended up here in the beautiful uh, weather of New England here in the winter. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I ask myself that question uh, kind of on a daily <laughs> basis. It feels like from like October to May, which is the winter up here. Um, no, so I'm originally from uh, from Tallahassee, Florida, uh, and uh, spent, the, you know, probably the first 10 years of my life there. Uh, and then moved to um, a little town in Virginia uh, called Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, and that's actually uh, where I went to high school and all of that. And um, that's where I met my wife. Um, but my wife is actually from upstate New York. I, um, I you know, I've moved around a lot. Um, but when, when she... Well, she, you're a military kid too, right? Yeah, so my dad was a Marine. Uh, and, you know, he was, he was out by the time I was, you know, uh, old enough to to remember anything and that's where when we settled in florida um but uh you know when when we moved to virginia i was there for a while uh and then went to college back in uh florida i went to a, a recording school an audio school called uh full sale and then graduated from full sale and moved to nashville tennessee for a couple of years worked in some recording studios down there and that's actually where i met my uh, my good friend aaron who uh, who's the other piece of the last years um you know, uh, decided at that time uh, that that maybe, you know, working, <laughs> you know, 40 hours in three days, uh, and then a, a full time job on top of that, uh, you know, wasn't, uh, wasn't for me at the time. And uh, well, like, what, what exactly were you doing? Like, yeah, so, uh, so a, a couple of different things, right? So uh, working in the studios down there, um, you know, I, I did client services, which is basically just a, a churched up way to say, like, hey, you're gonna go get food for everybody or you're going to go get, um, you know, wine for, you know, somebody or at, at two o'clock in the morning or whatever it is. Um, so it's a lot of gopher work. Uh, and then I did get, I, I got the chance to work on um, a couple of records down there as an assistant engineer, which was really cool and learned a lot, um, you know, from, from a, an audio production perspective, um, which has all changed now, <laughs> you know, it was back in the day when you, uh, you know, you didn't have uh, a laptop that you could make a whole record on uh, in your basement, you know, so you had to go to a studio and, uh, you know, kind of work through all of that stuff uh, and pay a bunch of money. And you don't have to do that anymore, which is really nice. But um, and then moved, uh, moved from there back to Virginia, um, spent a couple of years there, met my wife. And then, uh, she, she, you know, she's from upstate New York. Um, so somehow we landed in Connecticut uh, <laughs> six years ago. And, uh, and and it's been great. You know, it's uh, it's it's definitely different than uh, than down south. Um, and it took a little a little adjusting on my part to uh, to the weather, but it's been great, man. So I got one quick question before we sort of segue a little bit into um, like 80s movies and stuff, since that's sort of the vibe I get when I listen to your yeah. music. But if you had one show that came to you, approached you, and it's your dream show, and you only get two options, though, these are because these are my, it's really about my dreams, <laughs> not your dreams. But if there was one dream scenario show for them to include your music, would it be Stranger Things or Cobra Kai? Go. Oh, man, it's Cobra Kai all the way, right? So, okay. um, listen, there was luck, luckily for you, there were no, there's no wrong answers that. on that one. Um, yeah, no. listen, Stranger Things is a great show, and I'm not gonna, if, if they ever came calling, uh, <laughs> to the last year, I'm not gonna, not gonna shut them down. Right? But listen, I, I think that Cobra Kai is, is the most genius spinoff of anything. Uh, I have seen in a long time. I mean, you know, just, uh, from the, the Johnny Lawrence perspective is, is amazing. Right. So. 
Well, have you ever seen there's a there's a that all came about originally. I forget if it's that um the guy Mike Car- Caramalinga. I'm gonna massacre his name. There's a guy on Twitter who does a lot of those videos. They're hysterical. Like he has a whole breakdown on like the time that uh Carlton took the last shot in one of the basketball games. Uh, that Will Smith was scored like 40 points yeah. in and he does these breakdowns. Oh, they're hysterical. But I think that's what had happened. Originally, somebody did like a two minute clip on what if the original Karate Kid, if you looked at it from Johnny's perspective, and it was like hysterical all about how Daniel's son was really the villain. And, you know, the fact that they turned that into a show and then, you know, you watch it the first season and it's really good, like really fun from a nostalgic perspective, but then for them to keep going to where they're going to be on season yeah. four soon is just remarkable. Yeah, it's, really. it's incredible. I, I, um, you know, we, uh, gosh, I think when it got picked up by Netflix, it had already been out. Right. So it was on YouTube. I think the first two seasons, I think were just on yeah. YouTube, like their, their premium pay. But man, what a, what a brilliant um, premise. And, and, you know, uh, Zabka as, as Johnny is just, man, is, just a you know like that first season as as him just as a a, a washed up drunk just struggling i mean it's so good so good yeah i agree i agree well speaking of 80s movies that helps me with a nice easy segue so i know you're real big on john hughes yes sir okay so i have my own little top three john hughes films and i think they're a little different than like what most people um have and i'm real big on lists okay. so i'm not going to necessarily ask you to list yours in order but do you have a couple that are your favorite and you want to break down kind of why yeah so uh I, I think uh first and foremost uh, the breakfast club is probably my all-time favorite john hughes uh movie uh man i just i think judd nelson in that movie was uh, when i was a kid was just like he was the cool like the coolest dude and i wanted to yeah he's, he's pretty bad right he's he's movie. righteous in that movie and you're just like man i want to be like this dude <laughs> Um, and then you watch it as an adult and you're like, maybe I don't want to be like this dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny as a, as a teacher, now I'm watching it from like yeah. the, the other oh, side. Man, I didn't think it's about that. So That's funny. funny. Um, uh, yeah, I think, you know, maybe, maybe I'm more identified with the Anthony Michael Hall character nowadays, but, um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the breakfast club is, is, is my all time favorite John Hughes movie. Um, I also hold a, a very special place for Ferris Bueller's day off. Cause I just remember watching that as a kid and thinking Matthew Broderick in that movie was just like the coolest guy, like, you know, being able to pull all that stuff off. Um, mm-hmm. and then, uh, pretty in pink is, is my other one. Uh, you know, you, you always, you always root for ducky. Uh, you want him. You want him to to figure it out, and and plus the psychedelic furs with with that that title track is is just fantastic. So, yeah. See, mine always. I, Ferris is my number one, similar to what what you were saying. Like just the just the everything he went through just to get right. out of school. To me, as a kid, was like the greatest. The the fact that he was able to pull all that off. But then a f- two for me and people that will be like, what uh, is weird? Oh, science? no, come on. I, I'm not, I'm not going to give you a hard time for that. That's a that movie is wonderful. I think a lot of it has to do with like when I saw sure. it, you know, what I mean, I was like 11, you know, and puberty's just coming on. And like the idea that you could build sure. this woman from your like computer that you're like old school Macintosh yeah. or whatever it was. And like a Barbie doll, it was just amazing to me. So like, you know, going through puberty and all that stuff, I'm sure that sort of impacted <laughs> how highly I keep. Yeah, that. And, um, I mean, and and, also, and Bill Paxton in that movie. I mean, let's let you know as as the uh, yeah, as Chad, it's just uh, awesome. That that is one of the best like jerk guy performances ever. 
Yep. And there's there's a couple scenes in the mall in that movie that are really like it, it kind of gives you those old school yeah. mall vibes. I, you know, man, I um, always forget that Robert Downey Jr. is in that movie too. Every time I watch yep. it, I'm like, oh yeah, yep. Robert Downey Jr. is in this movie. And he's best friends with the kid, the guy who he was in a bunch of those movies. Uh, he's also in the um, what is it? Uh, the one where um, Patrick Dempsey goes from like dork to uh what is it? not pizza boy what's the name of the one with uh oh man where he does the dance at the school dance it was like the african salute or something like that you know I'm, I'm, not, I'm not i'm not remembering that oh one. god i'm it's gonna bother me now um i'm gonna look it up after but that one's good breakfast club i'm with you on that that's a yeah. top three one for me too so uh you know, like I said, my list is definitely influenced influenced by being more middle school when yeah. I watched as opposed to high school. I think like Breakfast Club is the perfect high school rebellious, you know, movie or just coming of age movie. But um, yeah, those that's that would be my yeah. Top I, three. I think when it, so, when you think well, about eighties movies uh, or or really just movies in general, I mean, John Hughes is so wonderful and like. You know, when when I when I was sitting down to write a lot of the the tracks on the the Future Ghosts EP, you know, I I thought about scenes from those movies and just like, you know, what what would a song sound like if I was writing a song for this scene? You know, what would that sound like? And so he, you know, his his stuff is a huge influence on, you know, a lot of a lot of the way I am, <laughs> the way I am, uh, but also the uh, you know just the music that I write because I think a lot of that stuff is just so influential, you know. Um, from, from when you're a kid and a teenager so yeah man john hughes <laughs> the movie i was thinking of is can't, can't buy, buy me, me love. love there it is that's that's the movie i was thinking of with uh patrick yeah. dempsey but um what about other 80s movies like non john hughes because i know we've kind of touched on this before um I, I have like a very set group of movies that I, and we kind of touched a little bit karate kid for me is a huge one but i know there's another there's a couple movies that we have in common that we both love that we've tried to show yeah. our kids um other 80s movies that, did you want to touch yeah, on any so of them i think you and i are, are huge back to the future fans right so um Bingo. man you know i think especially those first two back to the future movies and i feel like you know we might have actually even gone back and forth on which one is the better of the two i'm a, I'm a back to the future 2 fan uh uh over I'm probably with you on that, although I think that they are like, I mean, to me, it's like the 80s version of yeah. Godfather and Godfather yeah. 2. Like, you, you know, wrong. there are some people who think Godfather 2 is the better film. I think from uh, like a nostalgic perspective, I think part two actually is the one we remember yeah. more just because at the time, the idea of them um, projecting into the future in what things would look like in the 2000s or whatever it ended up being uh, was just fascinating. Like, you know, the, the Nikes that lace themselves or the hoverboards and things like that. So I think that's why we look back so fondly on part two, just some of the, some of the futuristic qualities of it. But I think part one is really just a tremendous, well, you know, movie. I was thinking about this the other day. Like, I don't think, I, I, I mean, it's a, I think part one is a perfect movie. You know what I mean? Like from start to finish is just a perfect movie. Um, but but the hoverboards get me in, in Back to the Future too. Like, let's not kid ourselves. We all wanted a hoverboard, right? <laughs> um, then what about some other ones? So like, I love Goonies. Goonies is another like coming of age kid. You've seen Goonies before, yeah, right? Yeah. So Goonies Goonies was huge for me. Honestly, if if uh, and this is 
this probably says a lot about what my parents allowed me to watch when I was a kid. But I, I saw uh, The Lost Boys when I was uh, nine years old, and I will never, ever forget it. And it is actually, regardless of um, time frame or genre, The Lost Boys is my all-time favorite movie. Um, I think from a uh, just, like, campy, uh, cool factor, you know, like, teenage vampires riding around the boardwalk on awesome dirt bikes. And, like, it is just the perfect movie to me i absolutely all-time favorite movie is the lost boys so i don't think you can get much better than that no that's a good one i've never i was never like all that into vampires it was a good movie don't get me wrong when i think Kiefer sutherland though i think the the older kid in stand by me that's the one that always sticks out for me he was just so like scary in that one like all the boys were scared of him I thought that that's why that was such a good movie to yeah. build up to the sort of final scenes with I that. I think so, about him in Flatliners. Um, uh, you know, that's that's kind of a yeah. like a, a weird one, but I remember seeing that when I again seeing it when I was a kid and just being like, "This is terrifying," um, and and just remembering him from that. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, I, I think Stand by Me, Flatliners, Lost Boys. I mean, I we could go on and on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That the one of the first movies I remember that I was watching, and I was like, I shouldn't be watching this. For me, I guess it's not even that I knew I shouldn't be watching. It was that my parents were there while I was watching it and didn't care. Was Silence of the Lambs, um, because it was such a phenomenon when it came out, and I remember them getting the blockbuster video of it and me sitting at like the bottom uh like of their bed and watching it and there were a couple scenes where i'm like are they really letting this happen but it was just (laughs) right but it was just such a good film that you know i think that they were just like yeah whatever gonna gonna watch it yeah i I actually remember um so my i was telling somebody this actually tonight we were talking about i I was telling them i was gonna be on this podcast talking about uh, some 80s movies and stuff so we were talking a little bit about goonies and then I was I was thinking about like the the things that my dad let me watch were uh, like kind of '80s martial arts movies, so a lot of Van Damme and and Steven Seagal movies. So, oh, like Blood, you know what Bloodsport? I think released today. Somewhere, I think I saw that oh, somewhere. Okay. That like Bloodsport released in like 1988, right? but today. I, well, because that I'm you actually just took that the the words right out of my mouth. Bloodsport is my absolute all-time favorite Van Damme movie and I I will watch it anytime it's on TBS or TNT or one of those stations um and I will actively seek it out uh on on streaming services as well um so yeah, yeah. and then and then above the law for uh for Steven Seagal I mean you know that dude cracks me up but he uh th- those movies as a kid were just like okay I want to do like all the karate that I can possibly do <laughs> Oh yeah um Bloodsport did come out today, February 26th. Well, happy 19- Bloodsport Day, everybody. Happy to you, too, my brother. Um, Kickboxer oh, was yes. a really good one. Um, that, that's the one where the, like his brother like gets yeah, paralyzed yeah, yeah. or whatever. And, and, and he fights, he fights right? Tong yeah, Po. Yeah. And then... Yeah, Tong so they po, so they did it. like uh, like four or five of those, and then it, like the Tong Po character just kept getting worse and worse. <laughs> like it was just like it, the makeup <laughs> got worse and worse as they as they went on. I'll tell you though, Van Dam uh, is man. He you know he was in in the heyday there, but his movies really went downhill. Like when he started doing like Double Impact or like Hard Target, like those <laughs> like kind of. Oh, time cop. Well, time cop's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, he 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 
man, those those mid '90s movies were just those were tough. A lot of a lot of bad hair in those too. But well, a lot of those guys fall off the cliff. I mean, look at look at someone oh. like Nicolas Cage is an Academy oh. Award winning actor, and he's just oh. like That's money tough. grab here, yeah. money grab there. Uh, so I don't know. It's come a long way from Face Off. <laughs> I, so. I just watched Face Off the other night, and I was uh, I was talking. I did, yeah. Did so, you really? Um, who who was who was holding you <laughs> hostage for that? Me, my, myself. Um, I I love that movie, <laughs> except I forget that like once you think it's over, it's got another forty five minutes left. <laughs> but yeah. So, so and then true. I was thinking about like what's what's my favorite Nick Cage movie, and and I started thinking about like. Um, like David Lynch, uh, because I don't know if so wild at heart is my favorite Nicolas Cage movie. And it's just like a super weird David Lynch movie where, you know, Nicolas Cage is wearing a snakeskin jacket and Willem Dafoe's being super creepy, but uh, that's a good one too. So did you, um, first of all, segue my, uh, mine was, would be Con Air, but, uh, David Lynch. Did yeah. You watch so I, I did. Um, we stopped, uh, about halfway through season two, uh, because it just starts going off the, off the rails. So wait, you did you didn't watch? No, it no, I actually though, right? I actually I just uh, recently watched it. Uh, probably um, what like December? I think I watched it. Yeah. Um, okay. So Sarah and I, my wife Sarah uh, and I, had both never seen it, um, and I had heard rave reviews from several people, and I think um, I think even you had had talked to me about it a little bit. Um, and I'll tell you that first season is absolutely phenomenal, and then. It's remarkable. It really is. It's one of the best things. It's one of the best single seasons. You know what? Someone had a, a list today on, I forget, it was some, one of the Barstool guys was talking about best yeah. single seasons. And t- to me, that's It's fantastic. Yeah. Just is, and then it just goes it off is. the rails. And I was like, I don't know what I'm watching. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, that's like people, you know, critics and, and people who want to, you know, people love season three. Right. Or they hate it. And it's like, there's no in between. But I mean, I understood what he was trying to. So you I haven't have not, watched no. season three yet, right? All right. So like, I understand what he was doing from an artistic perspective, but like, I I felt like I left wanting because you know I wanted a little more of what the original Twin Peaks was, and that I didn't feel like this was it. It was yeah. way out there. And I mean, if you ever get around to it, you'll see. But um, I thought the first season was just remarkable. And I thought aspects of the second season were, were great too. I think part of the problem was, and I've read this after the fact is that um, the execs at ABC for ratings purposes were like, you've got to tell, you've got to eventually tell right. who killed Laura Palmer. And at the time sure. he didn't want to do that. Um, and he, you know, he wanted to kind of, not that he wanted to string people along. It's just, that wasn't the story he wanted right. to tell necessarily, but you know, that's what America wanted to know. So because of that, it kind of season two kind of turns into kind of a mess at certain, certain spots. Cause then they don't know what to do right. after they reveal it and everything. But the Bob character was just super so creepy, weird so. and creepy, but I'll tell you Kyle McLaughlin in that show throughout is just top notch, man. He does such a nice job. So yeah, no, he's excellent, which is another reason why, again, I don't want to give away too much if you haven't seen season three, but his, he's in it and he's really weird, but he's not the same uh, Agent Cooper that you would expect if you were someone who went well, in now I'm uh, looking so for that. Season so. three. <laughs> All right, let's, before I let you off the hook for the night, let's get into yeah. a little bit of sports talk because you talked about how your uh, 
originally from down south and the, the Tallahassee area. So you, uh, some of your rooting interests in sports obviously um, come from where yep. you were originally from. And, you know, you're, you've gotten to celebrate a couple championships recently. So do you want to gloat about <sighs> yeah, either I mean, of those? Where do, where do I start? Right. So um, listen, <laughs> you know, 2020 was tough, but the, the Bucks finally got one, huh? I mean, uh, listen, amazing. <laughs> when they traded for Brady, I was just, I was like, I don't want to get too excited, but I think something could happen here. And, and then, and then you find out that Gronk's coming and you're just, all right, let's go Tampa Bay Patriots. Here we are. Like, let's make it happen. And then, uh, I mean, just to watch that season and to be a, a Bucks fan and, and, you know, and, and here's the other thing is, is like, I'm a Jameis Winston fan, right? So I, I, you know, I grew up uh, in Tallahassee and I'm a huge Florida state football fan. Um, I mean, you know, Florida state's really turned into more of a basketball school these days, which is, Oh man, what a, what a, a colossal it, man. It has been really them, tough huh? to watch. Right. I, you know, I don't, I don't want to bore our listeners with the, the Florida state football politics, but I, you know, I think uh, Jimbo Fisher really, uh, really ruined that, that program there at the end. And then you hire somebody like Willie Taggart, who apparently had no idea what he was doing. Um, and, and, it's amazing. Those Texas A&M guys, they, you know, it, it seems like they're in great shape and then they leave. And then, I don't know, they've, they've been, oh, yeah. someone's had all kinds of problems. He might not ever get another job. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's, 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 I don't know. Uh, you know, but listen, I huge Jameis Winston fan. Uh, you know, he, he brought the, the school a national championship. And I remember being on the edge of my seat, you know, chewing my fingernails, watching that, that uh, Florida state Auburn uh, last BCS championship. And, you know, uh, forever excited about that. And, and what a, what a great college quarterback. And it just did not translate, uh, as, as well to the NFL. So, you know, when he left, it was just, it was like, well, that's kind of a bummer. And then you, you find out you're, you're getting Tom Brady and you're like, all right, well, here we go. Let's, let's, let's see what's going to happen. And then just to watch that season unfold and even somebody, you know, you look at like a Leonard Fournette when he, when they, they acquired him and you're just like, you know, this is, let's see what happens. And he kind of played terribly for, uh, you know, the, the, the better part of the year and then came on in the playoffs. And you're like, this is the Leonard Fournette that we have been waiting to see the hammer. Like this dude is running for his life right now. And, and so just kind of seeing all of that kind of come together and, and even just watching Mike Evans be able to catch passes has been really wonderful. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, can't say enough about, uh, the Tampa Bay bucks and, and just what a, what an incredible season. And then just watching Tampa, Tampa Bay Brady, like after the, after they win the Super Bowl, who, who doesn't want to live in Tampa and hang out with Tom Brady right now? Because he is living. Yeah. He definitely looked like someone who they had let the cuffs off. Uh, not that those guys don't have fun at those uh, parades in Boston, but this was yeah. a different level Brady uh, on the boat. Yeah, just ta tossing trophies. I mean, man, this dude is living his best life. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, really excited about that. And then, uh, I mean, you know, listen, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge baseball fan. I think if if I could, you know, if I only had to watch one sport, it would it would absolutely be baseball. Um, and and I'm a, a I'm a Washington Nationals fan and. And how that kind of happened is, um, you know, I was stationed in uh, D.C. when I was in the Army. Um, and the only channel I had in the, the living arrangement that I was in um, was Masson. So I could only watch Nationals and Orioles baseball games. Um, so, uh, you know, I, 2012 was the first year that they, they went to the division series. And just being swept up in that, you're just like, oh, my gosh, like these guys, this is this is the team. Like it's finally happening for you know, a team that it shouldn't really be happening for. And, uh, 
And so, you know, just ha have been following them uh, really closely since then. Um, and, and just, man, 2019 was a, a super special year uh, for, for them. And I mean, my, my wife will tell you that we were watching the World Series here uh, and with my kids asleep and I'm literally bouncing off of the walls, like knocking stuff over. <laughs> I mean, it just, uh, you know, it, what an incredible season that was. And, and to finally, you know, bring something to D.C. was super awesome. So. Yeah, you've been I know, spoiled. Man, it's this it's last weird. Year like, so, what's next? Uh, you know, like, I don't know. Well, what do you think? What do you think about the Nats this year? Because you know, a lot of their guys yeah. kind of took last year off, and uh, you know, it sounds like they're gonna get most of them back. But the yeah. N the yeah, NL East is good, man. There's a lot of it's good. It's scary. Teams yeah, you know, I mean, I th I think uh, it really all depends on uh, on the the rotation, right? So if you've got a healthy Scherzer, a healthy Strasburg, uh, Corbin can can kind of do something. I mean, the pickup of John Lester, I think, is a no brainer. Like, you know, let's let's go, like it's John Lester. Like, even if he's not the John Lester that he was, you know, in, in what 2016, uh, with the Cubs, like, that's fine. He's still a, a number four starter. Let's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, exactly. if John Lester's your number four starter. I think you're in a pretty good spot. Um, but you know, I think, I think Scherzer's got some, some nagging stuff going on, uh, with his ankle right now. Um, but man, I am really, really excited to see what Juan Soto is going to do this year. I mean, you talk about just a, a pure hitter. That guy has the one of the prettiest swings, I think, in baseball right now. And he is just like his knowledge of the strike zone. I mean, when he gets to two strikes and spreads out, it is just like incredible to watch him work. Um, and I also love his attitude. You know, I know a lot of baseball purists don't love the what they call the Soto shuffle, right, where he you know, kind of challenges the, uh, mm -hmm. the pitchers and stuff, but listen, man, I think that's great <laughs> for baseball. And I think that's great for, um, you know, young kids getting into baseball cause they want to see the flair, you know, they want to see guys expressing themselves and, and being themselves. Uh, but I am really excited to see what he does this year. So. Yeah, I think the Nats, I think the Nats could have a really good year. Uh, the pitching is going to travel. They are projected at 84 and a half regular yeah. season wins right now, uh, which has them like right in the, yeah, that's you know, a tough the division the too. You know, the... It is. And even, you know, there are people who think the Marlins could be a little bit better. Well, they're they're going to come um, on eventually. You know, that's that you can the only Mets be, obviously... you know, the, the bottom of the barrel for so long. Right. So um, yeah, I'll be interested right. to see how the Mets uh, play. I think I, the, the Braves are the favorites if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah, they're yeah. 92 and a half wins for them. The Mets are around 89. So, uh, you know, the Nats right there in the middle. But, you know, it's, it's slightly yeah. shortened. Well, and I think, year, I think right? you know, the, so, the Nats proved it, man. Uh, All you got to do is get to the playoffs and anything can happen. I remember, Chris, I remember texting you um, during the wild card game. And just like, you know, after after Scherzer got rocked a little bit in the uh, the first couple of innings there. And then, and then just watching them, you know, kind of pull it together and, and, you know, and like anything can happen, man. So you just got to get to the playoffs. And I think that's the, that's the, the fun thing about baseball. Yeah, no, I agree. The, it would also be fun if I, I'm not going to get too much into local Connecticut nonsense, but if I could actually oh. watch my beloved Yankees uh, and not have Frontier on, take Frontier. away all my channels, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll save that for another day. They've gotten rid of literally oh. SNY, MSG, Yes, and MLB Network. In the last eighteen months, they've gotten rid of all of them, clean sweep. So, all the all my sports, my Knicks, I have to watch illegally. <laughs> my heart goes out to you, buddy. Listen, anytime uh, you want to come yeah. over, I got you. Uh, 
<laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, all right. Well, Drew, it, it's been a blast having you on, man. I thank you for coming on and uh, spending some time with us and talking about, you know, music, yeah, and movies and sports and whatnot. Uh, before, before you go, make sure you plug any and everything you got going on. Tell our, our listeners where they can find you, where they can purchase anything, Instagram, Twitter, uh, yeah, Spotify. so uh, uh, Instagram is at the last year's band B A N D. Uh, Twitter is at the last year's band B N D. Um, uh, we have cassettes uh, available of our EP Future Ghosts, um, and that is at the the last year's music And that's where you can find all of our stuff digitally to purchase. Uh, but listen, if you're not into that, that's cool. Not everybody uses Bandcamp. Um, you can find our stuff on Apple, uh, Spotify, uh, literally anywhere uh, streaming. Um, so yeah, if you haven't heard our stuff, check it out. Uh, if you like it, um, share it. Tell your friends. Uh, we have T-shirts on. Uh, Threadless. That link is actually on our Bandcamp and in our link tree uh, on on all of our social media stuff. So, um, if you like if you like our stuff, buy a T-shirt, buy a tape, buy a you know a digital album, stream it, tell your friends, all that fun stuff. Excellent, excellent. Make sure you go check out last year's band, my buddy Drew. Thank you so much again, Drew. Um, I will be back in probably two weeks. We'll probably try to do this every other week or so. I'm definitely going to have another episode before March Madness. Um, be on the lookout. I will post on Twitter and uh, mention if there might be any guests coming up in the near future. But until then, thank you so much for joining us on Spoiled Milk. And until next time, 